What's scarier than Mother Nature? Well, how about Mother Nature when she's angry? Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true natural disaster and storm horror stories. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Recently, I started streaming over on Twitch, so if you're a fan of bad horror movies, fun horror games, and good conversation, come join me over there. You can find a link to do so in the description. Now, without further ado, let us get right into these creepy and allegedly true natural disaster horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Spring has sprung, and the less time you spend in the kitchen, the better. That's why some of HelloFresh's delicious, restaurant-quality meals come together in just 20 minutes. Get 16 free meals, plus 3 free gifts, with code SWAMPED16 at HelloFresh.com SWAMPED16. HelloFresh.com SWAMPED16. Join me and many others in the swamp and find out why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Hello, I love your stories. You do an excellent job. You bring them to life and that is why I'm submitting my story. It was 1978. I was eight years old and my grandmother was a woman of strong faith. She was afraid of storms, for she had seen her sister struck by a lightning bolt. From that day forward, she was scared to death of storms. So one night, we were enduring a thunderstorm. This storm was a nasty one. At the time, we lived in a trailer in Bally, Pennsylvania. Our trailer is surrounded by nothing but cornfields, as far as the eye can see. We were so far out in the sticks that it took three bus changes to get to school. On this night, the storms were nasty, and my grandmother would walk around the trailer with her rosaries in hand, lighting candles and saying prayers. The thunder was loud, and very bright lightning followed suit. It was raining very hard, but I watched cartoons on TV and didn't notice too much. My grandfather watched with me, and my mom was at work at the time. It started to slow down some, the rain, the lightning, and the thunder. So my grandmother and my grandfather climbed into bed because I slept in the middle of them, for there was not enough room for me to have my own space yet. It was probably about three hours into our sleep when the storm started up again, seemingly twice as bad this time. The wind was howling very strong, and my grandmother was then up, again with her rosary and lighting candles. She was also saying prayers as my grandfather was sitting in the bed watching TV. I believe he was watching Star Trek. So I was sitting next to him eating some chips. After some time, I got up to get a drink, and I had to go to the bathroom. I went down the hallway into the bathroom, the second to last room in the trailer. I did my thing in the bathroom, and when I was done, I went to wash my hands. A loud crack of thunder and bright lightning struck out of nowhere. This knocked the electricity out, and then there was another loud booming of thunder and a bright light following it. As I was staring in the mirror, I could have sworn that I saw something behind me. I wasn't so sure at first, so I just stood there, and then another lightning strike lit up the bathroom. This time, it was one of those strikes that light up the night sky, making it look like daylight. This face was in the mirror, back by my grandmother's hanging plant, a red face with points on its head, two of them to be exact, and it looked like it had pointy nose and jagged teeth. The closest thing I can compare it to is Darth Maul from Star Wars. 
I didn't know what I was seeing, so I closed my eyes. When I opened them back up, it was still there. I thought to myself, there is no way this is real. You can't see this ungodly thing in a house full of religion. So I close my eyes once more, and another lightning strikes. I open my eyes, and it's still there. I screamed at the top of my lungs, trying my best to get out of the bathroom. I couldn't seem to find the doorknob for the electricity was still out, and I was crying and screaming. My grandfather comes in, running down the hallway to my aid. I could hear him running, and I was crying so hard and crouched in the corner. By the time he entered the room, he had a flashlight in hand, and he came in and grabbed hold of me. He asked me, what's wrong, my dear? And I had told him everything I had saw. I had also told my grandmother, and she sat down. We all prayed, and he said maybe it was just because of the lightning, but I know what I saw. I believe I saw what a demon or a devil would be. I had to have my grandmother or grandfather accompany me to the bathroom for quite a while after that. I could no longer go alone for the better part of six months. After that, I tried to talk to myself and tell myself that it was just my imagination, but I didn't believe that, and in my head, I knew what I had seen. I still love thunderstorms and lightning storms, but dare not look in the mirror during them. Thank you for sharing my story, Swamp Dweller, and everyone, stay safe. I went on a quick overnighter in the Northern California wilderness to test some of my buddy's new gear before going backpacking the following weekend. We got to the trailhead at around 10pm. We loaded up our backpacks and headed up into the hills. Since it was late, many nocturnal creatures were looking for food. Owls, raccoons, foxes, etc. After about 6 miles, we came to a point where we would turn off the trail and summit one of the more prominent hills that had an epic view overlooking rolling hills and cliffs for miles and miles. Before we headed up, we shined our very bright flashlights toward a rustling bush about 150 yards up the hill. We saw a very quick glint of eye reflection and then it was gone. Our first thoughts were a mountain lion. Great, we both said aloud as we realized that whatever it was, it would be in the area, we would be sleeping. I had only brought a hammock, as it was hovering around 96 degrees Fahrenheit at midnight. We pushed up and onto the summit and had a glorious view of the stars and dimly glowing hills and cliffs. We both scanned for about 15 minutes with our lights to see if we could flush out whatever made the noise without success, and we brushed it off and set up camp. After falling asleep for a couple of hours, I suddenly woke up feeling this dread and impending doom feeling. It was like fear entirely enveloped me. I took out my 10mm pistol from its holster and scanned the area with the weapon light in a half-awake adrenaline-fueled state. For those who don't know, a 10mm pistol is a great defense against predators. After taking myself off the scare train, I took a deep breath and laid back. Suddenly, I started to get flashes in my vision. Am I having straight hallucinations right now? I thought to myself as I giggled a bit, and they soon continued for about 10 seconds. Finally, when I looked out into the horizon, I realized that there was a focal point of the light. I watched it for about 10 minutes, realizing it was an electrical storm over the ocean. It was an epic show. I kept thinking how lucky I was and should go wake up my buddy so he could see it. As I walked over to his tent, my phone got a notification. 
and I realized in that one spot I had service. So after waking him up, I pulled up the Doppler radar and realized it was massive and a very fast-moving thunderstorm with an insane amount of electrical activity coming directly for us. Being surrounded by heaps of dry and tall vegetation and the heat and low humidity, we both knew we were in a terrible fire zone. We guessed we had about 15 to 20 minutes max before the storm hit us, and we had about a two-hour hike or a one-hour run back to the truck. Ten minutes later, we were packed and completely running and sliding down the hill as fast as we could. As soon as we got back onto the trail, the wind had started to gust and snap branches off the dried-out oak trees. We both had backpacks on, albeit mine was 15 pounds and his was almost 45 pounds with his test gear. We ran for a solid three miles. We had to slow the pace a bit due to his pack weight, and we decided we were safe enough to cruise at a speed walk. Right around the halfway point, we came down through a bit of drawing with oak scattering the landscape. The trail, turning left about 90 degrees in a sweep, and we both immediately came to a stop. Weapons were drawn about 50 yards in front of us and the trail stood a full-grown mountain lion, around the size of a German shepherd with a tail the length of its body. She was staring directly at us. It turns and takes one leap about 15 to 20 feet up the embankment into a large grove of manzanita. It disappears. We can hear horrendously powerful gusts blowing all the trees around, occasionally snapping branches and huge cracks of thunder immediately after the sky pulses with electricity. I instructed my buddy to stay close and we will push through swiftly and effectively with all of our lights and weapons at the ready in case this thing was hungry and brave enough to F around and find out. We cleared that cat's area and kept pushing at a decent pace when our flashlights lit up a set of eyes at the very end of the trail about a hundred yards away, and he could not see what I saw. It was a set of glowing eyes right at the left-hand edge of the trail about six inches above the dirt, peering through the grass, body hidden over the downhill embankment. The right-hand side of the course was vertical for about 10 feet and then pushed uphill for about 200 yards. Manzanita lined the top edge of the vertical wall. We knew there was no other option to either suck it up or confront whatever was creeping up on us or chill in a thunderstorm in the worst fire load conditions imaginable. So we pushed. We had our headlamps on full blast at 1,000 lumens each, plus two 1,500 lumen handheld lights and my weapon light which is also 1,000 lumens with a red laser. Walking with a purpose we pushed, weapon trained where I last saw the eyes. My buddy's hand on my shoulder as we approached the spot. I moved to the opposite side of the trail from the left edge so that there would be no question of what was staring at us. But my friend on the other hand decided to peer over the edge. Crap. He shouts as he launches to my other side, putting me between him and the border. It's a full-grown mountain lion. Five feet at least right there. As he points. As soon as he jumped around me, I turned around and had the laser aimed directly at the massive head of the mountain lion. I very sternly instructed him not to run and to grab my bag and guide me backward so I could hold contact with the cat. He began to show me back, stumbling with adrenaline in the dark as he dropped his light in panic. The cat stayed in the same spot and bobbed his head up and down as if he had no idea what was happening. I recognized this as a sign that we had the upper hand, and I released a little bit of pressure from the trigger. We continued to move away in the same formation, cat stationary, him pulling at my backpack and me not breaking eye contact. 
We were about 15 yards away when my headlamp illuminated the other side of the trail. Three more set of eyes lit up. I'm assuming three more cats were probably adolescents learning the ambush ways from their mother. They were there in the perfect position to take us the entire time. Holy crap, is all we could manage to say the rest of the way down the trail. Finally, we reached the truck and couldn't believe what had happened. So, we not only survived one of the most terrifying storms that ended up causing so much havoc across the state, we also survived nearly being attacked by multiple mountain lions. I am writing this as a warning to anyone reading or listening to this story, and as a reminder to myself, never underestimate how fast the weather can change. It is a common mistake, but it can be very costly in some cases. This was my experience making that mistake. I live in the Midwest, specifically Iowa, so I grew up around severe storms, and I have always been fascinated by the weather and what it can do. I even took a year's worth of meteorology in high school, and I continued to study it. Now, going storm chasing has been on my bucket list for a very, very long time, but I was only able to get the chance to do it recently, as before then I was busy paying off college debt and taking care of my family matters. But a few weeks ago, my chance had finally came. I had a week's worth of paid time off and I was going to put it to use and finally see my first tornado. But ironically, the days I had specifically set aside to go storm chasing, somehow the entirety of Tornado Alley was completely clear. After two days of beautiful, clear weather, I decided to throw in the towel. And when my parents asked if I would come out for a quick visit during my time off, I decided to see them for a day. A good friend of mine had also tagged along. We were roommates during our first year of college and always enjoyed hanging out. Our trip was rather uneventful and I had a good time visiting my family. Towards the evening, my friend and I got ready to leave, but one of my brothers had asked if I could come see him where he worked before I left, so I obliged and went to see him. On our way out of my hometown, I spotted a massive supercell to the east, which immediately made me uneasy. For those who may not know, a supercell is a huge thunderstorm that can produce large hail, strong winds, intense lightning, and tornadoes when the conditions are right. Their round, anvil-like shape most easily recognizes them, and when you see a rotation towards the bottom of a supercell, that's a good sign it may spawn a tornado. Now, my buddy and I watched the supercell as we made our way south towards the interstate, and I could easily see the storm moving west. We were in its crosshairs. However, I knew that we would be heading west to get home and could probably outrun it since we were on the interstate, so I pressed on only making one stop to see my dad as he works for a farmer and has been very busy for the past few days trying to get the crops in. Once we were back on the road, I had my friend check a weather radar app I had on my phone so we could see how fast the storm was moving. When the radar image appeared on the screen, I was shocked to see a line of severe thunderstorms all along the interstate from Iowa City to Des Moines. Still, I knew all about driving in bad weather and I was confident that I could handle whatever the storm could throw at me. So we kept our course and went straight into the teeth of the giant storm. 
As we approached the storm, I could see that it was huge and the sky was pitch black with flashes of lightning every few seconds. My friend and I were getting more excited by the minute as we pushed onwards as the thunderstorm at night can be a spectacular show. The lightning this storm was generating was some of the most intense I had ever seen in my entire lifetime. Then, we went into the shower. Darkness enveloped us, with the only lights being the lights of the cars and trucks around us and the occasional streetlights along the road. The strange thing was that despite the lightning being even more intense now, there was very little wind and no rain. I guessed that maybe the heat and humidity could generate the lightning as it had been rather hot that day and that we had nothing to worry about, so we pressed onwards. Now, I admit, night driving makes me hungry, and I was thinking about stopping along the route for milkshakes, but due to the storm, I put that thought on hold while I kept my focus on the road in my trusty old pickup, making sure all the gauges were in the green. That's when I saw I was at three quarters of a tank. I thought while I could make it to our destination without stopping to refuel, I didn't want to take the chance of running out and having the storm unleash its full might. At the same time, we were stranded, so I stopped in the next town, Williamsburg, to top my tank off before proceeding. As I exited the interstate, the lightning was still flashing in the sky, as intense as ever, but the wind and rain were nowhere to be seen. I pulled into the gas station and began to fill my truck with fuel. After I started the pump, I felt the call of nature, and my friend watched the car as I went inside the gas station to empty my bladder and check with my parents. After I finished, I walked back outside and I could see it was starting to rain. It wasn't raining very hard, so I thought nothing of it at first. My friend was sitting inside my truck, so I climbed inside and glanced at my phone. The weather radar was still on and I could see that we were still in the middle of the most significant storm in the chain. Yet, it had decided to continue to hold back its power. My friend looked at me and asked, Are you sure we should keep going? I responded, Oh yeah, it takes a lot more than light rain to keep me from coming home. Almost as if the storm had heard my comment and took it as a challenge, our surroundings quickly changed as winds picked up and in a mere couple of seconds, my truck began rocking back and forth with walls of rain pounding on the roof. We were still parked in the gas station. I started the engine and drove around the station looking for an excellent place to park and be out of the wind as it continued to gain strength. My friend was starting to get scared and I was getting a bit nervous myself. I knew the conditions that we were experiencing were very similar to what's known as the bear's cage to storm chasers. The bear's cage was the area that formed very close to tornadoes. I knew that we had no way of seeing a tornado with it being dark until it was far too late. After making a complete circle around the station, the storm had peaked, and I knew we were not safe in my truck anymore. I parked the car with the tailgate against the wind, as there were no other places to park. My friend reached for the door handle when I told him to stop. With the strong winds, if we were to open the doors at the wrong time, the winds could damage them or even rip them right off the hinges. We had to wait for the winds to lessen before we could make our exit if we wanted our best chance for our only ride back home to be in one piece. Then I see a large black shape appear out of the walls of rain in my mirror. It was a semi-truck that had pulled in behind us, its trailer giving us some protection from the wind and a chance to make a break for the shelter of the gas station. We bolted from the truck and ran into the station completely drenched in the process. Once we got inside the station, the power went out 
leaving us in the dark with the storm still screaming outside. A few seconds later, we heard the sound I had dreaded, the tornado siren. The gas station employees quickly shouted for everyone to get inside the restrooms as that was their best shelter. Once the 15 or so people were crammed into the toilets, a manager from the adjoining diner said they had a basement that we could use instead, and we all hustled over to get to a lower level. As we hurried over, I saw several old farmers still at their tables eating their dinners in the darkness. I knew that this was not their first rodeo, and that if something terrible did happen, they would join us in the basement. After descending into the basement and finding that it was an old wine cellar, the little group of refugees began to introduce themselves and chat. I looked at the radar and saw the storm was gradually moving south and that so far, there were no tornadoes spotted in the area. I then looked at my watch and figured out to my shock that the storm had gone from a fantastic lightning show to dangerously high winds and walls of rain in less than three minutes. My friend and I contacted our families and let them know we were safe. As we waited for the storm to pass, I remember hearing the diner manager talking to some of the other stranded travelers that a similar storm had hit them last year and that while they were hunkered down in the cellar, two ladies quietly broke into the bottles of wine that were stored down there, and eventually became so drunk that they had to be carried out of the basement. This little story seemed to lighten the mood and raise the spirits of everybody there. After 20 minutes of sitting in that dark basement, my friend and I decided to head above ground to see if the storm had finally let up. Once we got into the dining room, I could see the old farmers still in their places, watching the storm slowly subside. My friend and I waited for another 10 minutes before we walked outside back to my truck. Once I saw it, I was happy to see the only damage was from some dings and scratches on the tailgate, and it almost appeared to have been pushed a few inches forward by the wind. We got inside and it started up without a problem, and we made our way out of the lot. But before we left, we spotted the same semi that gave us our opportunity to escape to get a better shelter. We thanked the trucker for helping us. We got back into the interstate, and within minutes of getting back on the interstate, we spotted a different semi blown over on its side by some crazy wind. Thankfully, I could see the person I assumed was the driver talking to some state troopers. While the lightning never seemed to stop, the wind and rain were done, and my friend and I safely made it back to our homes. As I laid in bed, I realized the mistake I had made. I underestimated the storm. My hands began to shake as I realized what could have happened if anything had happened differently and I knew that my guardian angels were watching out for me that day. So I learned that lesson the hard way, as many others have. Some people who underestimate the weather aren't so lucky. Many people are killed every single year for their foolish wishes. Yes, I know the weather can be a spectacular thing to watch, but if you don't respect Mother Nature, it will make you pay. For some like me, we get off easy with little to no damage. Others aren't so lucky, and some don't walk away at all. Living in Dixie Alley, we get lots of storms. In April of 2011, we had already been hammered by many tornadoes. We didn't get hit, but poor Alabama got wrecked. It was extremely odd to see paper debris from Alabama falling from the skies in Tennessee even canned goods. In October of 2011, we had a tornado and a massive hailstorm. The hail was prominent where I was working, but it was only pea-sized. I have never seen so much hail fall for so long. This went on for easily 10 minutes or more. 
It was a rainstorm of just hail, and the wind was picking up more and more. We were all just standing there watching it. It was close to quitting time. The hail, oddly enough, didn't do any damage to speak of. The closer I got, the worse things looked as I drove home. Trees were stripped entirely of their leaves. Cars were parked on the side of the road with busted windshields. My house is white. When I pulled into the driveway, my house was green. There wasn't an inch that hadn't been smattered with leaves and debris. Even then, hailstones the size of chicken eggs were all over our yard and driveway. All the mailboxes had been sucked open, and the mail was lying all over the road. Power lines were down. My power line was ripped loose. The actual hail looked grapefruit-sized. I went across the street to go check out the store and see if everything was okay there. I saw signs of grapefruit-sized hail everywhere. I was very thankful that I had closed my swimming pool the weekend before. There were tons of debris on the cover. Things started to happen quickly after that. My neighbor came running and wanted to know if I had damage. They had been sitting on their porch and saw the funnel and ran. No warnings were out that day. That's common here. Storms pop up so quickly, you must be an excellent watchful person to even notice. My cell phone rang and my parents had just come back into town. They said they could see a black cloud approaching them fast, and then the hail hit. It busted out their windshields, and the car got picked up and thrown into a ditch. I went to pick them up, and you couldn't even get back to where they were because of all the debris on the road. The cops were turning everybody away. Everybody in town had to have a new roof installed. Roofing companies from every state in the Union set up a temporary camp here in town. Adjusters set up tents in the mall parking lot for you to drive your car into, assess damage, and get it fixed. Then, in the spring, when it finally got warm enough to go outside, you noticed the weird stuff. The screens were pulled up from the frames in the windows. Some of the vinyl sidings had holes. The dryer vents had been shattered. A plastic bucket full of sand for the swimming pool and steps had been broken. The kicker took the cover off the pool, and plastic side rails looked like Swiss cheese. The holes were all about two to four inches in diameter. It took about two years to get all of the roofing jobs done in our town. With hail that large and coming down that hard, it killed cattle and just beat everything to smithereens. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true natural disaster horror stories. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that's very helpful to the swamp. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or Spotify, please be sure to give us a 5-star rating over there, as it helps me there, and it's very appreciated. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but want to download your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you would like to support the swamp outside of all that, maybe check out the merch store. I have t-shirts, hoodies, and more. 
Come join me over on Twitch. I stream multiple times a week. We watch terrible horror movies, play fun horror games, and just overall hang out with the community. You can find the link to do so in the description. Don't forget to join me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.